horror game experience because it's just it's three times terrifying because it captures everything more or less scary than the basement of the new game shop that we are currently recording in um about about as scary okay i don't like the basement the basement is terrifying to me it's gonna look so fantastic when it's done though yeah i'm I'm ready for it to be done with more lights and preferably not a lot of lights did i tell either of you about when i accidentally like really scared myself down there no. I, I was walking down the stairs, and you can do a whole loop around the stairs like it's open. And I looped around, and my brain was like, huh, what if you turn to go up the stairs, and then the stairs weren't there anymore? And then, <laughs> and then I had turned the wrong way, so the stairs weren't there. And I was terrified for a moment. And then I realized I turned the wrong way, and everything was fine. I'm alive, but, you know. Hello, and welcome to Radio. <laughs> Your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the incredible staff members of the my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to learn to talking about games with me today are... Hi, I'm Alexis. And I'm Anna. And we are here to talk about our favorite things, and that is board games, board game shop, games that we can play with friends, so on, so forth, etc., etc., including spooky basements and spooky video games. Those can make some tangent conversations as well. Uh, this is a rare episode where we actually don't have Jamie or Jesse. Uh, so this is going to be a little bit, you know, for us, us this time. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And Anna, this is actually your first time on the podcast. Do you want to give a little brief introduction to you know, what you do in the store, what your specialties are, things like that? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, I am your local salesperson in the store, and my specialties in the store are RPGs and a single board game called Happy Little Dinosaurs that I absolutely love. It's just one game, and there's a, and it's from the same people that did Unstable Unicorns, correct? Yeah, it's uh, Unstable Games makes a whole bunch of different games, such as Unstable Unicorns, I Hear to Slay, so people are really into that. Hear to Slay um, is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, basically a board game version of uh, D&D. But um, Happy Little Dinosaurs is just dinosaurs with world chaos and puns, and can't get any better than that. There's a ro- like a romance, romance DLC or something like that for it as well. Not DLC. Yeah, it's, it's a expansion. There we go. Yeah, yeah. so um, there's three expansions, actually. There is a five- to six-player expansion where you have two new dinosaurs in with the basic four dinosaurs. Then you have Perils of Puberty, so if you know someone who is just hit that puberty age and is really bad with their acne and that, it's pretty funny to read all the disasters out of that. And then you have Dating Disasters, so if you know someone who is not good with their dating life in general, this is a great one. This is funny. I feel like it's better to... Just kicking them while they're down. Yeah, I was like, I feel like it's better to do that after they're like oh you found the one let's play this version of the game oh you're past puberty because in the middle of it i don't think i need it in my face well let's think think about it as a sibling way like if you're playing this with your siblings this is the best way to get back at them for um i don't know maybe eating your food out of your fridge and you're just tired of it so and (laughs) i want people to continue to want to play games with me i don't want to hurt them (laughs) with the games that i play just for the future reference. No, that's fair. I'm also just really highly competitive, so when I have an opportunity to kick someone while they're down while we're playing a game, because Take we're the being... opportunity. Yeah, because we're being jerks to each other. That's, that's what competitive is. Is I want to be the winner, not you. 
if you were in the race of the tortoise and the hare, you would just put like your foot out and trip the hare. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. That's how you would have won. Yeah. All right, that checks out. <laughs> so, while we are here to talk about Anna's moral quandaries, we are also here to talk about how things have been going at the store this week. Has there been any cool events or anything that has really gone on in the last week or so that you guys have been a part of? Um, I was part of Gamers Night, which was actually yesterday night, and we had a really solid turnout. We had a total of 16 people show up, so nice. it was quite the blast, and it's just uh, local people supporting the LGBTQ community, or plus community, mm-hmm. sorry, and they just go downstairs, learn how to play some board games, eat some pizza, eat some sweets, and just have overall a good time. That's fantastic. I, I do think that the marketing for that is so smart, because... Uh, I, I think last time we talked about that the Gamers yeah. Night was coming up, and I had to say, we need to spell that whenever we do the podcast, because if you don't see it written down, it makes no sense why this would be any different. But G-A-Y-M-E-R, and uh, I love that for some reason. It makes me so happy every time I see it. Yeah. It's pretty clever wordplay. But... So how many people do we have attend just ballparking? So usually it's about... 10, 10 to 12 people. So we had a lot of new people show up, which yeah. was really cool. And uh, a lot of people brought in some new board games I've not seen, like oh. um, Star Trek Catan. Like, Interesting. I've, I've never seen Star Trek okay. Catan. And so when they were explaining how that was working, I was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different than normal Catan, but... I would assume you'd have to play as different factions, because if you have matter synthesizers in that universe, I don't it's... know what resources you really need... Yeah, it, it was really weird and really interesting. And then we had someone actually bring in a Monty Python Flux, which that was hilarious to actually sit and watch that go off. But ton, tons of different games and stuff. It was really cool. I wish we didn't have other segments because that would have been an excellent segue to a, one of our news articles. But uh, before <laughs> then, I do want to say that while GamersNet was a success, we do like to talk about what we're currently playing as well and what's been on our tables so what have you guys had had the opportunity to play other than star wars Catan and money python flux um i have been uh playing besides you know dnd which is the typical rpg for people who play rpgs uh, i've been playing a, a role-playing game called aliens and that's been pretty fun and solid and uh i've also been playing uh, magical kitties with my uh, local community center with a whole bunch of little kids up there that just Aww. they were they were in a bad place it's like the big brother program big Ooh. brother big sister program uh i got the opportunity to sit up there a whole day on my, one of my days off and just sit and teach people how to play magical kitties and just have a good time with life and i bought everybody pizza that's fantastic so now magical kitties is it's a unique rpg system correct yeah so, uh, Magical Kitties is basically an RPG where instead of, like, your D&D dice where you have, like, the D20, a D4, and all that, it's all just D6s and to determine if you succeed in an action or a fail in an action. It's four and up, you succeed in an action, and uh, three and down, it's like, hey, you kind of fumbled, but it's okay. You, you can make up for it. But what's really cool about Magical Kitties, it's actually made for kids ages six and up. Mm-hmm. So, if... If you're trying to get your kid into an RPG that's not D&D, and it's a little bit, it's a lot easier to understand. It's super easy. It's actually uh, autism friendly, too, that I found out, especially with my brother who has Asperger's. I know some people don't like that term anymore, but that is just how I've always learned the term. The identification, you know, understandable. 
And he struggles usually just staying focused, especially with people who have ADHD, like I do. It's kind of hard to stay focused on different RPGs and storytelling all the time. They have broken it up into small sections and just small segments that you can just take a little bit, and you don't even need to read the whole rule book to actually play the game. Mm. So it makes it super, super easy, and it's super fun to play. Super easy overall to just understand and get into the game, because it's like, hey, you're a cat, and you have magical powers. The only thing about that is you can't let your human know that you have magical powers. So it's like you're an undercover superhero as a cat or whatever pet, like a dog, a lizard. We've had someone be a goldfish, which was hilarious. How? It's like Cosmo and Wanda. Yeah. Ooh, good call. Good call back right there. <laughs> well, fairly odd. It, yeah. de- it was definitely kind of, it's, it's weird to understand, but yeah. it was like, that. that's pretty cool. He had a uh, mobile fish bowl. I was about to say, do you just have like a gerbil bowl that he filled with water? And that's <laughs> yeah, basically, okay. he, it was like a super intelligent goldfish that could like wield and deal tech, which was a very interesting superpower. And he created himself this, basically a gerbil ball with wheels that could extend in kind of like a go-go gadget or even uh, your Power Rangers or whatever, Paw Patrol, if you're... Okay, I'm... Were they, this is they, a Power, <laughs> friend, Power Rangers-friendly podcast, I'll have you know. We will not be besmirching their name by putting them next to Paw Patrol, <laughs> just so we're clear. Oh, okay, okay. Fair There's enough, fair so enough. so much better subcontext. context. No, we'll get into that somehow. <laughs> It'll be a Power Rangers episode someday, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, but basically it was just like a super vehicle that could literally go up walls and stuff, and uh, he could the goldfish could literally make anything with just scrap. Goldfish with technomancy is one of the most dangerous things I can now think of. Like, that's it's, terrifying. It's a little terrifying because you're not expecting it from a goldfish. One thing I do like about Magical Kitties is that there's also the expansions that kind of give you a change in the narrative as well. Because I think there's one for going to Mars. Yeah. And there's another one. I forget what the second one does. So, funny enough, I actually liked Magical Kitties so much that when we had uh, the deluxe version in with all the expansions in, I bought everything for it mm-hmm. so you got one where you're at mars you have a colony on mars you're doing different things there's one where you're stopping an alien invasion which oh, is really okay. cool do you have the wild ones where you're actually wielding dealing with uh, feral cats in the out in the woods and stuff which is interesting so mm-hmm. if some of your audience knows like the warriors the cat warriors and stuff with the different factions and that it kind of goes into that aspect which is really weird but really cool and then you have like your fairy tale one, your fantasy, like Jack and the Beanstalk, Sleeping Sleeping Beauty, and stories all that. that maybe the younger kids would be more familiar with and could play around in that world that they're that they know. Very much so. And what's really cool about um, all their campaigns or their expansions per se is you don't have to do the whole book to get one really good campaign out of it. Because hmm. uh, on their map they have different time zones or different zones that are actually numbered. You can actually just pick one of those zones and do a whole campaign out of that. Like, That's very cool. I've done one where it was at the park in uh, River City, which is the basic campaign that everything has. Every every uh, Magical Kitties box has River City. It's the first starting point. It's like, hey, here's here's a good introduction. Here's a good story to get going. And we were herding Velociraptors out of the city park. It's so just... It's just you're normal-sized kitties, and I'm assuming these are normal-sized velociraptors. Yeah, like, okay. it's it's just so wacky and just so creative that it's it's perfect for it. That's it's, awesome. 
Super cute. Real quick, can you talk about how you don't get hurt, but instead you get... Okay, so in a lot of RPGs, there's like a lot of blood and gore, which, let's face it, parents, especially for younger audiences, are like, hey, I, I don't want that. Too young. Yeah. Magical with kitties, instead of uh, bleeding or any gore, you get ouches and bruises. So that makes it sadder somehow. <laughs> so you get so like cute. little paper cuts and stuff, and that's about as much damage or like a little big bit of a big bruise or something. And to heal your cat, you eat cat treats. And then you can actually exchange a number of cat treat tokens to re-roll your dice. So if you fail in action, you can be like, hey, slide your, <laughs> your uh, storyteller to cat treats and be like, can I re-roll my dice, please? <laughs> I feel like if I were to run this game, gummies would need to be involved somehow. Yeah. Just like gummy worms or gummy bears or something like that to be the treats, and then everyone would just eat them and never have any inspiration whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, I'm actually excited for an event that's going to be coming up in October, such as FlatCon. Hold on to that. We'll get into that in our gaming news. You, you're just setting up these... I mean, okay, so for those of you that listen, you know this. For those of you who don't, uh, because you're listening to Anna the first time, and obviously you're tuning in for her insight... Uh, I try and do these amazing transitions. Every episode, I am trying to find the perfect way to meld the conversation we're having into where we need to go. And every time I do one extremely well, someone says, that's a really good transition, which they don't realize (laughs) totally kills the transition. It stops it dead in its tracks. And so you are giving me all these amazing setups, but they're all ahead of time. So good job. Fantastic. But before we move on to talking about way too much RPG, which I feel like this episode is going to be heavy in, I do want to know, Alexis, what have you been playing? Have you been playing physical? Have you been playing in the digital world? Both. Okay. We constantly play RPGA every night, and it's usually just Azul, which is funny, because if someone were to ask me a top five games, that would not be in it, Mm -hmm. but I've played it more than any other game. Hmm. Interesting. It's just an easy one to play online. There's people always available for it, so I don't have to sit around and wait for a table to start. But, uh, Those Azul heads out there, you know who you are. They get people get mean. They're Did like, they... I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take this tile. I can't even use it, but I'm gonna take it so you can't have it, and then you'll have to take these other ones to get more negative points. Do you? It's a cutthroat game. Do they chat that to you, or is it just the no. way that they play? I, just, okay. Just, I feel no. like I would be really good at this then. You think it's it's all pretty and cute and fun, and then it's just people coming for you. Well, it's just like happy little dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it looks okay. cutesy. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I have played Merchant's Cove again, which is is in my top five. I've played it five times now. They announced a new Kickstarter, so you can get the main game that already came out, along with these few expansions that are coming out, and I'm super excited for that. I don't, it won't be out for who knows how long, because it was just announced, but that's a fun one. Aside from that, I have played Ark Nova, which I'm not generally someone who plays a game once and then immediately the next day is like, I want to play that again. Um, But that was what happened with that game. I played it, and then I had a dream about it, and I woke up going, I need to play that again. And so I ended up playing it three times in one week, which is a, it's a bigger game to play that much. Uh, Jesse came into the store the other day. And, I mean, I came into the store the other day, and Jesse was working, and he spent like a good 10 minutes trying to sell me on Ark Nova. Yeah. As the, you know, it's a, you're building a sustainable zoo. Yeah. And first of all, I like that concept already, because right. we're not seeing that in the real world that much. And it's, it looks very Euro-driven, where it's, you know, you're just kind of playing with yourself, but there is some actions that are a little cutthroat, right? 
So you can get animals who have like like snakes, right? And they might bite you and there's venom. So you stereotypical. Can, right. You can get these tokens and end up putting them on other players and that might just hinder their ability for a turn or two. But overall it doesn't feel too to take that. Maybe with like the drafting with the cards in the middle, like you might want a card and somebody else might take it, but it's not awful. But yeah, you're you're building a zoo. I like the way the actions work because there's five different actions you can take and they are laid out from one to five. But if you do, say you do the five action, you move that five action to the one and slide everything else over. And so you're powering up how strong your actions are. So if you have like the play cards from your hand card in action slot one, you can just play one card. But once you have it in action slot five, you can play two cards. So you can't just spam the same action over right. and over again without it costing yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And so then there might be also like, well, I want to do this, but right now it's just on a two, but it's going to be more beneficial for me if it's at a five. And there are some animals that you add to your zoo that say, okay, after you play this one, you can move this card to this spot. So then that's a way to kind of move your cards around how you want. Um, and then the scoring is really neat because it's like this crossover thing. You're scoring on two different paths at the same time. And one of them is the conservation, so how sustainable your zoo is and how many sponsorships you have and all that. And then the other one is, we call it the ticket track. I honestly can't remember what the proper name was. There was the ticket hat and the hat track, and the hat track, I also don't know what it was. We just give them fun names. Um, but a prick, pra- pra- no, I don't know. Anyways, so the ticket track goes one way. And the conservation goes another. And once your your pieces are either in the same spot or have crossed for one player, that's when the final round begins. Interesting. And then everybody has one turn to finish. And your score is based on one of those numbers minus the other. So if you don't cross at all, you're getting a negative point. Oh. But you could just barely cross and net, like, two points. Interesting. So it's... I have not figured out, and I mean, I generally do not do well at games. I just like playing them. I haven't figured out a good way to push that really far to get a lot of points. You don't know how to game the system yet. 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 Um, So on my table, actually, I got to start my own D&D campaign. Spelljammer, Um, I did do Spelljammer, which, of course, the one that I finally chosen after, like, four years is the most controversial, I think, so far. Uh, D&D is having to do a lot of retractions and changes and things along those lines, and that's fantastic. And I will have to agree, I feel like uh, there is meat on the bone, but it is pretty lean. I feel like that book could have had a little bit more about uh, some mechanical approaches to things. Um, what I'm now hoping is that I know Eberron got like two books. One is like the Wayfinder's Guide or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, you have Eberron, uh, The Last War, and then Wayfinders. Yes, and so I'm hoping that something like that comes out where they're like, you know what, we want to expand on this a little bit more. Here's another book for Spelljammer. Um, so I'm already having to plan how I'm going to do some homebrew at my table just so that I can make it a little bit more interesting. So far I have uh, three amazing players, and then I have one player that's playing literally Donatello from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is a blast to try and figure out how to work narratively into a uh, fantasy-style story. Um, that's I, absolutely hilarious. It is. And everyone else was, like, really into the theme. They're like, okay, we're going to choose one of the races. You know, we're going to figure out about spell jamming. And 
I, I, I made it so that they could either choose, either they were spell jammers or they were just normal fantasy people so that they, their first time into space could be a revolutionary experience for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the players then was like, yeah, I just want to play a tortle character who's basically Donatello. And I said, great, that's fine. You can have a, a you know, the, oh, what's the name for the tech wizards? Um, it's not alchemist. It's, uh, oh, if people are shouting and they play D&D, they're yelling at me right now. It's the wizards that actually know how to do nothing. You got nothing for me? I don't, I don't know d It's been a I'm hot sorry. minute. That's fair. So, like, uh, I haven't personally started all the Spelljammer stuff just yet. I've gotcha. just been skimming through it because I'm like, I like this idea. I'm going to use this for this. Mage is the only other name I could come up with. That is not one of the classes no. within Dungeons & Dragons, but that was an admirable been. attempt. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I'm like, okay, yeah, you can play that. And I'm like, so what is your backstory? And he's like, Donatello from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I'm like, do I need to include a Rokusaki? Do I need to include a Tomato Yoshi? Like, do you have... He's like, yeah, I've got brothers. They're turtles too. And I'm like, okay, well, you can't live in the sewers because I guess you could, but how about we make it the Underdark? He's like, oh, okay, I like that. I'm like, great. Okay, so I had to rewrite all of the... It was a very fun, like, fan fiction moment for me that I felt like I wasn't just making stuff up in my head for no reason. Uh, but no, it's been going actually really well. And seeing how we have been already talking about Dungeons and Dragons, I mean about RPGs so much, let's just go into the first news article that involves a RPG, and that is the Monty Python RPG is coming out. Now, and I know you and I have some words to say about this. We are both Monty Python fans, we understand the culture, but I know that Alexis, you are not. I am not. So You've never seen anything Monty Python, I, I believe is what you I, said. I'm fairly certain that I have not. So my question to you is, what do you think Monty Python is? like? So I know that it's, it's a lot of jokes, um, and it's just a comedic thing. I feel like I've seen clips here and there, and they just don't do it for me. That's fair. I That's find absolutely fair. I, 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 the humor is just not, not it. I don't know why. British humor, especially from that time period, was a very niche thing and it was nothing like American humor at its time it's kind of was a precursor to things like Kids in the Hall and I wouldn't necessarily say SNL is like that but it's kind of that same mentality of we're just going to do sketches over and over again it is definitely very blunt Yes, very very blunt like you have to have a open mind when you sit and watch Monty Python and just be like this is the time this is the setting Right. Don't be offended about it. It's funny. But I, I think their speciality was they would do something completely normal, but then add just one twisted element, just one absolutely weird element to it. And that's then what gave them their, their characteristics. Uh, so, for example, one of the best one is it looks like you're watching a scene of a period piece and there's two people arguing and one woman says, well, I didn't, I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition. And then three members of the Spanish Inquisition, which is a totally wrong period, just burst into the room and do a gag. Uh, there's one where a man is going to a pet store and he's like, I'd like to return my pet. I'm like, what's wrong? It's dead. And so it's, it's the, parrot. the dead parrot routine and he slams the dead parrot on the ground and it's it's all these normal things. There's my, I think my favorite of all time was, it was supposed to be a news uh, article about uh, gang problems within the city. 
but it wasn't gangs of teenagers. It was gangs of grandmothers. And you just get to see this this news article, it, basically. It's, it's pretty good. Where grandmas are harassing normal people and what a scourge they are upon society. Maybe. Maybe I should give it a chance. I'm not pressuring you. I just no. was, I was saying, as a person that doesn't know... I'll, I'll, send you a, I'll send you a clip of one of my favorites, which is actually the argument clinic, where the guy goes in and schedules a, an appointment for an argument in... They're just going back and forth saying, this is an argument. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's just going back and forth, back and forth. It's like, this is a contradiction. It's- so this is what we can hopefully expect out of the Monty Python RPG. So this article came to us as I'm pulling it up as I'm trying to record, uh, which is a perfect timing for that. Uh, this article came from thecomicbook.com. And basically from the sound of it, it's... It is called the Monty Python Co-Curricular Med- Medieval Reenactment Program, all written in the most British way to write those words. And it is it is supposed to be built around kind of a, a similar to Dungeons Dragons, where you have some traits. It looks like the, what they are doing is with how the dice mechanics are is going to be like Dungeons and Dragons where you have the D4 all the way up to the D20 and you use it for different things. But if anyone who has watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail where it's the medieval theme with the most iconic scene is the Black Knight, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like it's kind of the spinoff of this with you you're doing your own storytelling with it. But I do have to say, so far my favorite thing that I've been reading about it is... The game master has 20 different personalities that they can choose from, but the players can write, what is it, a letter of complaint and force a shift in personality, so you have to swap your personality when you're storytelling, and I'm like, this sounds absolutely hilarious because that's what they did in Monty Python, the Holy Grail. They had literally escorted out the narrative. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. And... I love that element of it because it includes a level of unpredictability for the dungeon master, which for most of the time in RPGs, you don't get to see. Um, most of the time, dungeon master is supposed to be the person that's keeping things on the rails. And to now know that he is subject to, at any time, having to change his own rule, way, and approach to the game, I absolutely find that to be fantastic. Well, not only that, but it gives the DMs a really good quick thinking creativity mm-hmm. like good created uh, creativity problem solving not only that but then it's also really pushing the boundaries well how well are you actually good at storytelling it's a challenge for so sure. i'm i'm pretty excited i'm hoping this store can actually get this in so i can order it because i want to be oh. amused i'll do my best i appreciate that <laughs> the uh, the designer actually in an interview said it's more of a matter of providing a toolbox of stuff that people can create stories that feel very Monty Python without having to just recreate the exact scenes that they saw in the movie or in the TV show or things along those lines so I think it is supposed to be not not just the Holy Grail but it's it's supposed to be the, the just the concept themselves yes um, which I absolutely love this should be a lot of fun and Hopefully we'll be able to see it pretty soon. Um, so yeah, Alexis, are you gonna play 
Monty Python with us? Is that the plan? Is that what we're deciding? You, you should definitely, because then I'll DM. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and now another article that I don't have much to say about is the Elden Ring game. That is true. So <laughs> uh, we, we uh, accidentally stacked the deck against Alexis today. It's okay. Uh, because... <laughs> At least with this one, I do know Elden Ring. I know the Soulsborne games. I just haven't played them. I've watched them. Again, coming from an outsider's point of view, <laughs> Alexis, tell us what you think Elden Ring is and about and all of that that you can. Um, so, I mean, it's an open world game. And you, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've got these, these big... Well, it's Berserker-based, Berserk right? Isn't there... There's um, one of the weapons that is like like the guy from Berserk has. There is oversized weapons that are exactly like that. Very, yes. very much yes. so. Right um, track. So in Dark Souls, <laughs> <laughs> there's the dancer. Oh, we don't talk about the dancer. And the dancer's very pretty to watch. And uh, there's also the tree man that stomps and the ground falls. That's, that's also one of my favorite favorite fights to watch. This is an Elden Ring. I know. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, the good news is that the creators of the Dark Souls yeah. board game which is Steamforge Games, actually got the license back. So I was doing a little research before we started podcasting. I have not played the Dark Souls board game. I have played the Bloodborne board game, which is part of that whole same genre, that same concept. Um, but we've, I think it wasn't designed by Stonemeyer. It seems like it had jumped ship at that point. Steam so they're Steamforge, sorry. So they have come back now to Steamforge to create this Elden Ring game, which is going to be... An, as you said, an interesting concept because before there were always pathways, avenues, right. there was a track to be on and it's open world now. you can now. do whatever. So I don't know if this game is going to be more leaning towards a, like, go to certain locations and fight different elements, more like a, uh, let's see, what would be a good example? Probably like the Fallout board game or if this is going to be again, another tile layer where you're fighting minis right. and things like that. Or, I mean, those this... The way it looks, not going to be a good comparison, but could it also be like Dragon Road Almanac, where if you choose this thing, then you're going to go to this page and do this? So maybe depending on what you choose, like choose your own adventure. I would love that. That would be a really interesting concept, and it would actually probably work really good with Elden Ring just yeah. because... There's so much backtracking that there, you want to do so in There's so many ways to go about it. And with it being open world, you can literally pick and choose what you want to fight, mm -hmm. which is always not the best option, by the way. Exactly. And being that, you know, just because you see somebody right away in your path doesn't mean that you are high enough level to defeat them yet, or unless you're very good. And I know I have a lot of probably get good comments that are should be coming my way, but... Whenever you first exit in Elden Ring, you exit this world, you've just fought a few minor creatures, and you're like, okay, there's a guy on a horse. I'm going to go try and beat him up, and he will hurt you. He will put you he, down. He devastates you. Every single time. You have to leave and, and power up. I have loved the book idea for, for these type of games for so long now, and I wish that they would do it more. Um, from things like, uh, what is the... The one that's like Toy Story, Stuffed Fables. Yeah, Stuffed Fables and the Familiar Tales. Yes. Um, my Father's Work also has the book. The same elements. Oh, yeah. I love that. Uh, the Jaws of the Lion, which is kind of like the introduction to Gloomhaven, basically took the whole entire Gloomhaven game, put it in a book, and is fantastic okay. to play in. 
because uh, you don't have to worry about tiles and doing setup and teardown. You just turn right. to a page, and everything you need to play the game is right there. Um, and I truly wish, I know that this is, it's probably a little bit more of an expensive process, but as far as when it comes to like tile lane games and things like that, I have absolutely loved it. Um, and so I hope to see more of it, and that would okay. be a really interesting yeah. way of approaching it. I want to know uh, when they do this Elden Ring board game, if it's going to have the same mechanics as the Dark Souls board game, as I have actually gone and played it. So the Dark Souls board game is basically just like Dark Souls 2 with all the weird mechanics and you dying. So a lot of the difficulties in actually encountering like your small creatures and then your boss fight in there, wherever you're at, is almost exactly how the video game is with minor details like hey you rolled this dice so on so forth mm-hmm. it's it's a little weird but it's pretty spot on so i want to know if that they're going to try to get it as spot on as possible and if so then their storytelling would be the best way the book yeah would be the best way to do it the uh bloodborne game even though made by a different creator gave me that same look and feel for some reason these souls games have an amazing ability to move from video game to board game really well and also incentivize you to do the same things you do in the game with the bloodborne you have weapons that can switch modes and as you play with that weapon in the game it encourages you to switch the mode because of just the gameplay style and the abilities that you have available to you and the creatures that you're fighting so you're constantly switching your weapon around having different abilities that can go with it and from the things that make, I think, Bloodborne special is that open-world concept. So for them not to utilize that in some way, shape, or form, I think would be a missed opportunity. Definitely. I, I would definitely agree on that. So I'm, I'm excited to see more about this. I've only read just the one little article. There's not much yet now because it is going to be another Kickstarter game, which it seems like, from what I've been seeing, Kickstarter, Game Found, we're seeing those kind of ramp back up again. Uh, I don't exactly have a news article to say to this, but I think both of you are in the know when it comes to the amount of good ideas that get put out there trying to be made into games. Definitely. And how enticing it really is to back every single one of them. It's it's not good. It's it's pretty bad. I regret discovering Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, So, for example, I know we've talked a little bit on this podcast before, but uh, Keyforge has finally announced that they were... They were going to do a whole redesign. It's under a new company now. They wanted to do a relaunch, and so they went to GameFound, and I believe it was fully funded for $300,000 within, I think it was like 20 minutes. It didn't take them that long at all. And if you guys can uh, talk about something else for five minutes, I will tell you how much it actually has made in its campaign at this point in time. Well, I mean, with the setup with uh, the Kickstarter thing... I'm going to flip it back to RPGs because, like I said, I usually do more RPGs than yeah. I do board games. Um, on Kickstarter, there's a guy that uh, did, like, you're kind of like your Cthulhu, Call of the Cthulhu style, but you're actually yeah. hunting Eldritch deities. His Kickstarter got, so his goal was 25K. He I has like- 4.5 million backers, and it literally busted through so much that everybody who backed it, is getting premium figures, getting some extra stuff, because it's like, hey, we literally shot through the goals. I feel like I heard of this, and I can't think of the guy's name, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, his uh, name online is uh, MonkeyDM. He has a YouTube channel, and he has Kickstarters and all that. He 
has actually really good solace if you're struggling DM and you're trying to find some new ideas and characters and stuff. He's a really good solid resource. You can literally just have his link copied and he send you free stuff all the time. Interesting. But it's I, just one of the good ones. I, I wish that there was... I know that there was a whole council that was pretty much made for... Uh, in one of our episodes we covered this, there was a whole council made for Kickstarter trying to approach how to do it better, how to do it more ethically, how could how could we find improvement in this? And I really hope that I know Jamie's would Jamie would be a pro bono like resource for anybody who wants to make a Kickstarter for a board game on how to get retailers involved. Because mm-hmm. I know that's something that Alexis you've had to struggle with and yeah. kind of part of your system is not every single game that's put on game or Kickstarter or GameFound is really meant to be sold in a store almost. Right. Yeah, and some of them don't offer that. And, I mean, I don't deal with that too much. That is Jamie. I just kind of hear about it. But from So I look at Kickstarter. I'm aware of what's coming out. I get really excited. I, I, I have some FOMO. I've never actually backed something myself. What? It's such a rewarding experience after a I'm year sure and a half of forgetting is. about it. But at the same time, I was not into games or – I mean, Kickstarter has other things, but – until I started working here, and now generally the things I'm interested in are things that are getting back to the store, and That's so fair. I may as well just get it through the store. I'm sure that you have nothing to do with that. You don't put a little <laughs> no, no, whisper I in don't, anyone's ear. I don't tell Jamie the countdown for when Merchant's Cove is going on Kickstarter. <laughs> nope. So for those of you who don't know how Kickstarter works, is usually if you're looking for certain pro- projects, like uh, mine was the Eldritch Hunt, um, there's different backing levels. So like for a standard uh, PDF file. It was 30 bucks to back it. I went out of my way and I did a big bundle of 190. So I got like literally the GM's guide, all these fancy stuff. You don't have to do that. The only time it actually takes out the money is when it actually goes, gets, gets through, gets pushed through, has enough backers. And then it's like, okay, hey, here's the time that we're gonna collect the money. Here's, we need your shipping information. Here's the estimate of when it's gonna get shipped. Usually, if you're the you're in the U.S. for uh, Kickstarter, you get free shipping over a certain amount, which is really nice, especially uh, with all the baloney that I decided to order, which I should not have ordered. But I was like, regrets nah. are part of the human experience. Nobody gets out of this life without at least one. So that is very fear. I, I did do some checking on the KeyForge, by the way, and of course, as soon as I said that, I clicked on it, messed it all up. Uh, it was actually originally just for fifty thousand dollars. Uh, they are currently at six hundred and wow. six six hundred and one thousand six hundred and thirty-eight. I don't think I said that right, but it's close. Uh, and it was funded in twenty-seven minutes and thirty-one seconds. And there's still even eight days left on the project. Um, that is awesome. And that that is for a game that has come out, had a life cycle, died for the most part, yeah. and is now trying to be resurrected. So. Yeah, at no, the same it's... time as Disney or Hannah, I know. think they can compete <laughs> against that. I uh, we talked about <laughs> Disney Lord Hannah in the last episode, and the art of the cards has come out. I don't know if you oh, got I to see looked. this. No, go I'm ahead actually and excited. Do some, do some checking right now on All your right. phones. Oh, I'll, Lord, I'll spit for a bit. But the artist rendering of these characters. Uh, there's another Disney push right now called Disney Mirrorverse and basically what they wanted to do is I have seen the Mirrorverse and it is very interesting to me because it's literally such a flip side of what everybody is so used to seeing their Disney characters as the concept behind it was look we want to have an action game how can we turn the non-action characters 
into action-oriented. So, for example, Belle in the regular Disney universe is, you know, she melts the cold heart of the beast, she's a bookworm, but now she's a mage in the mirrorverse. Uh, Sully was a person that got who scared kids, and now he's like a construction worker, worker <laughs> like with an exosuit. Uh, so it's these weird takes on these characters. But Lorcana is not fully there. It doesn't go the full route of let's make these characters like battle ready, mm. but it does give them a little bit more of an edge. So, uh, so basically, there is uh, Taylor Mickey. So it's supposed to be from when he was, uh, I forget which story that is, when he plays a tailor. Uh, and it's his, still the same costume, but he has a little bit of a sword that kind of looks like a pin uh, for, like, sewing. Uh, I think Robin Hood is in there, and it's the animated Robin Hood, but it's just stylized what feels a little bit more action-oriented. And the art on the cards is actually pretty good. yeah. And, there is definitely some possibility there in its future. We're now sharing the picture with Anna. Oh, wow. Okay. As a so, art major, I can get behind some really good good artwork. Jesse I, just tried calling me. Let it be known. He cannot not be a part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sensed that you wanted to say something. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was reading. So there's, there's six images that have been released, at least ones that I have in front of me here. But uh, the release date is set for uh, autumn of 2023, and it's going to be called the first chapter. Yes. Ooh, that's a fun name. I, I, I like this, the idea. At this point in time, I think it's one main release and two expansions are planned, but they haven't mentioned anything more yet. So they don't know if they're going to be continually doing this for a long period of time or if it's going to be kind of like a one-off. Stitch Rockstar. I, I don't know if I've seen the Stitch Rockstar. Please tell Rockstar. me he has the Elvis suit on. He does. He does not. That's... But that's amazing. No, check it out. Check it out. Okay, I can get behind that. As Stitch is my favorite <laughs> Disney character, I can get behind that. But I think there was a little bit of a missed opportunity to have to throw the. Elvis they could one have on. done him as Elvis, definitely. If I had to guess, there was probably some licensing rights that that's probably true. got in there. That well, they but if it's do. Disney and they could do it in the movie, why couldn't they do it? Because they probably paid for the rights for the movie. Uh. For yeah, the song okay. and everything. Yep. Okay. But, yeah. yep. No, that makes that makes more sense. Probably whenever they wrote that contract, it wasn't like, oh, and if we ever make a you know CCG, we would like to also include that as well. Yeah. The no, Elvis I'm... estate is is very protective. I don't know if you've ever heard any of their licensing things, but the fact that that movie came out is actually pretty much amazing because okay. of all the restrictions that the the Presley, I think it's the Presley Foundation has. So lots of lots of loopholes and hoops you have to jump through just to be able to be like, well, not even that. He, it was just Stitch mouthing it, not Stitch singing it. Exactly. So and even that was, I think, kind of. I a, think that was a push. They wanted to yeah. definitely have that, but they didn't want to necessarily uh, make any enemies at the same time. Oh, that, that's There's not many people that Disney fears, but I feel like <laughs> something iconic is that they would not want the Presley Foundation to write them off the list definitely uh so while a bunch of these things are that we've talked about are coming out soon uh let's talk about what's actually out right now in the new hotness because i feel like we have quite a few nice things that are on the horizon or at least are for sale right now all of us are now opening up our phones in order to see all of the pictures uh but the first thing i want to say is the amount of spooky uh 
stuffed animals in the shop. I love it. Is extraordinary. I absolutely love it, and especially one of our newest ones, which is this uh, yak cow. Highland cow. The Highland Highland cows. cows. Yes. Sorry, correction. It's been a while since I've uh, had to name cows. (laughs) Not spooky, but very, very cute. It is very cute. Super cute. But no, I think I think some people could make it actually spooky because I mean, if you got like some of those uh, tiny kids hair clips, you know, the little spooky ones, you could make it super cute and spooky. You know <laughs> how adorable that'd be. <laughs> so these are squishables for those of you that don't know. Now there's a huge contingent because there's squishables, which I think are superior, and squishmillows, which are actually yeah. more pillow shaped. So I agree that squishables are generally way way cuter because they're shaped more like the animal and have yes. more words they've got more to them more life more character characters yes, than yes. what i wanted but squishmallows are very very soft and better to use as pillows i have heard many people <laughs> have given up on having pillows in their bed and they just now have squishmallows yeah. and they are very happy with I, their lumbar support yeah i mean I, i've got two pillows but i that's not what i use as a pillow i would agree with you on those squishmallows being a lot more softer yeah but I, I gotta say, I'm a, I'm a squishable fan all, all the way. Instead of the squishmallows, I, I mean, I like looking at them, and they're super soft. That's all that's going for me. But yeah. I'm also just really picky with squishies. To be fair, all of the ones that I have that are that material aren't actually squishmallows. They're like <laughs> other brands, and so they're, squishmallows. They're, they're, <laughs> they're just as soft, but like they don't have that same generic egg shape. Like, they do have a little bit more of a shape to them. That's, I've got that's a big dinosaur one that's really cute. That's about what I've and got. And a manatee. You Anyways. have a manatee one? Yeah. Bro. This has now become a podcast about stuffed animals. Forget about it. This, I've also got um, a lot of yeah. Care Bears, so, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> now we finally have a topic on the podcast you can talk about. Uh, in the store, though, we do have, for Squishables, we have a very cute witch. She's got a little broom. She's got an awesome hat. We have a cauldron with a smiley face on it, and it's it's not just like a cute cauldron because it's got like an eyeball on the top and of a it. Wing. Yes, it and does. a bat wing. And it's actually you can get some of the larger ones at the shop right now. So the cauldron comes in the kind of the there's the regular size, the large size, and then there's the where are you supposed to put that size. You, yeah. I think the only where do where are you gonna put that size we have is the UFO, yeah, which we sold. Oh, and you did so we we sold it. I saw that you all had almost sold it to someone. Yeah. Uh, so for people who don't know, we had a giant UFO squishable, like it. It's about as big as a uh, what? How big? How big is this table? It's it's about the size of a round table, like a normal round table at any of the events. You know, mm-hmm. about yeah. about the size and circumference of that. Uh, a couple had recently moved into Bloomington and decided they wanted something fancy, and so Grant upsold them on the squishable. Oh my gosh. So now we are actually going to be getting in giant banana squishables that actually zip up and you can unpeel them. For Grant people, finally got his way. Yeah, He's talked yeah. about well, it on this podcast. See, uh, when we had Pride Fest going on, I was really, really determined to sell the UFO because I wanted it out of the store. I was tired of it. Yeah. It is a so it takes up a lot so, of space. Where do I put this size? Yes. So I made a deal with people. If they bought the Squishmallow, or the UFO, not Squishmallow, what am I talking about? I would go and buy a banana suit and come into work and wear it and dance to the peanut butter jelly banana. <laughs> because it's Anna Banana. So when they come in, you can call me Anna Banana for a day. I... 
feel like there should be an HR department meeting about this. HR it's says it's fine. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> I mean, Jamie was on board. He's like, that's fair. I don't know if I would trust Jamie to, to do all the... His, his impulse control sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just think about it. We could just make it a TikTok video. We could. Well, especially yeah. with spooky season coming up, if they come in before spooky season, it's just a costume. That's fair. That's fair. It is October. Costumes are allowed. Yeah. Uh, but other Squishmallows that we have in the store is Behumet, which is yes. kind of like a little goat creature. He's got horns and a little crown. Uh, we have a dark dragon. I don't know if he's supposed to be it's, something. Is it? It's one of the storybook dragons. It's not uh, Behumet. It's um, Baphomet? Baphomet, I thought, was the goat person that I just said. Okay. Yeah. It's just pronounced. I, I think it's, it's literally, I think it's just called Shadow Dragon. That, that could be, right. but yeah. it's like uh, one of the storytelling dragons. Okay. So that's why they're all cutesy instead of yeah. mm-hmm. I'm in your face. And I think you still have some of the plague doctors, but I don't think you have any of the plague we, nurses, right? We do and don't. Okay. There was a mix up with our squishable order, so we have some that we cannot currently actually sell. Sell, but but hopefully soon when squishable gets back to us. Gotcha. Okay. Fingers crossed. But we did get the plague nurse backpack finally i did see that in the store which so, you can find in the new hotness as well yes which so you can really get cute. the plague doctor backpack and then your best friend can wear the plague nurse backpack and you can be very very cute together that's true you can get your so one and you can wear yeah. the other i don't know if people know this about the plague nurse uh plague doctor and the plague nurse but the little lanterns that they hold they actually glow in the dark so if yeah. you have it right there by your window and you let the lantern actually Charge soak up, up it glows in the dark, which is absolutely adorable. And you can make them hold hands. Yes. You know what else glows in the dark that's on the new hotness? What's that? The cover for the Scooby-Doo board game. That was it. Really? <laughs> so I did not know that. Yeah. The Scooby-Doo board game has come out, and it actually <laughs> is getting a lot of traction. Yeah. I have seen it all over the web. I've seen it on all of the different Facebook board game groups that I'm a part of, and people are loving it. Uh, it's it's not exactly a, an easy game. It's not meant just for kids because it's Scooby-Doo, but there is some real thought process behind it. And it seems like you're trying to keep the ghost from scaring away civilians, uh, customers or something, they call them like that, while at the same time having to set up a trap, just like you would in the the loop of the cartoon of we got to try and figure out who the ghost is, but we got to set a trap for the ghost that is very convoluted and some sort of not Rubik's Cube. It's a uh, gold Rubik. Rube Goldberg. Thank Rube. you. There we go. Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine. Yes. I. So it looks interesting. I. So what we've learned today is Lexus is very uncultured because I also didn't watch Scooby Doo regularly. But your time, Scrappy Doo was involved with Scooby Doo, and I don't. I think you really probably passed that. I know the ones that I've seen were like the. The same ones that all had i think well okay. well now i need to ask did you have boomerang at all yeah. like okay well then you should have been able to because no, they yeah, did a I lot of have. I just didn't. it's either that or wacky races which we're actually going to talk about here in a second too so but <laughs> the game looks fun it does and i so, the only scooby-doo thing that i have anything against is the movie that's a what? hot take but that is a hot... Hang on. Stop the podcast. What are we talking, what's wrong with the movie? I don't know. I never... I've seen it a few times, and every time I watch it, I just don't like it. You know how I feel about photosynthesis? That's how I feel about the Scooby-Doo movie. Alexis. <laughs> like, you... 90% of the time, you have such great taste. 
Um, so the Scooby-Doo game is great. At the same time, however, a new skirmish game has been released by the, I guess WB would be the, the licensor for yeah. this. And it's, it's another kind of mix-em-up and skirmish game. So we've talked about uh, the Disney's Sorcerer's Arena lately, and Which... that's been something that's been good. We in the new hotness too. There's a new expansion pack yes, that has, um, Moana. It has Moana, Stitch, and then why can I not think of his name? The Davy Jones. Yeah, yeah. We oh, we talked a little bit about Gorgon. that in the last episode. I had some gripes that were then put to rest, so I felt a lot better afterwards. Which, if you actually go to the store right now and you decide that you're like, hey, I really liked the idea of uh, the Disney Sorcerer Arena in that. You, if you come up and you're like, hey, is there special promos for this? There is actual special promos now from uh, one of our uh, lovely guys that came in to help demo with the new expansion and stuff mm-hmm. to show how Moana and all like the Did time. Did Scott come in and do that? Yeah, Scott. Okay. I couldn't remember his name for whatever yeah. reason. But he brought in uh, their foil versions of certain cards. So they look really, really good. Like it's a pretty foil and not a like that's blinding in my face. Right. Where can you get that? The only place is Red Rock and That is true. In this part of Illinois. Anyways, the the Mayhem game is interesting. So, for example, they've got a few basic kits, such as Looney Tunes characters from, you know, the regular Bugs, Daffy, uh, it looks like Taz is in there, and Elmer Fudd. Uh, there's also a set for Teen Titans Go. So Robin, Starfire, uh, and Raven are there. But there's this interesting little expansion pack that's dastardly and muttly which first of all that's a throwback we have not really seen them in anything in a long time i don't even know if you guys know other than probably watching boomerang who these characters are uh they originated in a show called get that bird i think it was called okay. it was supposed to take place during world war one or two they were flying aces and then there's a carrier pigeon that was carrying you know allied information and they were always trying to catch this pigeon so they had these really ridiculous planes the bird would always out maneuver them it was an old style cartoon then they started they came back in wacky races which was an interesting like what if we took all these Hanna Barbera characters and made them go on a cross-country race I don't know it was kind of like the uh, Olympics of the Stars whenever in the 80s we had like TV stars that were like swimming and doing okay. pole vaulting and stuff like this uh, and so Dastardly and Muttley came up there so there's this pack that is just Dastardly and Muttley that can not only work with the skirmish game of uh, Mayhem but also with the Scooby-Doo game it works for both really yeah that's a when, very interesting concept when you go into the store there's like both of the logos are on the box and it's almost like they're trying to create WB is because you know WB is great at creating these universes like you know the DC and all that uh, they're trying to create like some real synergy between these games which would be interested to see how that progresses in the future um, and I think that in the spooky season uh, a great thing to give to try now is there's a new ticket to ride, yes. which is apparently Ghost Train. Do we know it's, anything about that? Yeah, so it's basically just Ticket to Ride Junior, or like my first Ticket to Ride. It might oh. be like a step up. Gotcha. But spooky themed. That's I like cute. that. Yeah. That's very cute. We do have a monsterly big game. Of Twilight Inscription? 
What? <laughs> Twilight Inscription? That's not what I was going to say. I was going to oh. say Jurassic Park, but we have Twilight oh, Inscription I, too. I'm not yeah, seeing it. I like it the top Jurassic right corner. Oh, got it. Yeah, so Jurassic that is the... Jurassic Park is bigger. Yes. So <laughs> let, let's start with Jurassic Park. It's okay. a large game, and I don't... I think that they have a wrap around it, so you can't actually see what is so, inside. You can slide it out, because I was really curious. It, I also just love dinosaurs in general, so... Don't we all? Don't we all? You know... Maybe so not sli- Alexis. She likes hot takes like that. But. <laughs> Those are fine. So I slid it out of the ca- the silk wraparound because I was like, well, what is this? Like, what actually is this? Mind you, I've not actually played it, so I don't know how all the mechanics right. work. But it looks like you're actually in the old park. And oh. you are, you, from my understanding, because the back of the box does not have a good description, and I just forgot to look on Board Game Geek about it. Note to developers, we need the back of the box. It can't be covered up. We need to see what's inside the box. Very much so. But it looks like it's either, A, you're actually trying to work together to escape these different dinosaur scenarios, like okay. uh, when the Velociraptors, spoiler alert for people who have not seen old Jurassic Park, I should say that before continuing. Yeah, I, I think that the... The time period on that has, yeah. Well, you never know. Some kids who haven't seen it yet. But uh, basically, the velociraptors bust through in, it's the kitchen area, I believe? Correct. Yeah, the kitchen area, and they're hunting the two kids down. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that you can actually play as the people from the first park. Interesting. And try to escape. Or it looks like you're trying to build the old park. That's where the confusion was at. It was like, okay, well... I see this. Is is this how it's playing, or is this how it's playing? Like I said, I have not personally played it, and I haven't done a whole lot of research on it like I wanted to, but... There are Jurassic Park heads that are so big of fans, I doubt that they need to know what this game is. Just knowing that it exists means that they're going to come and check it out. So it looks a lot like Dinosaur World, actually, Yeah. So in the terms of building? how it can play. It is cooperative, though, which Dinosaur World does not. No. Um so there's some luck with dice rolling, but other than that, you can build buildings, dig up dinosaurs, place dinosaurs in their cages, for lack of a better word. Do you dig up dinosaurs or do you dig up uh, it mosquitoes? It says digging up dinosaurs. Well, that so, is already breaking canon. Forget it. This game is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Researching Was, dinosaurs. I, I'm assuming what they mean by digging up dinosaurs is getting the fossils and then probably. extracting it and using it for the DNA. Like, no, no, no. That's not canon. how it works. I know. That's not <laughs> how Jurassic Park works. That yes, is not I, the lore that we have been trained to believe. Well, no, but, you know, they went off of the DNA the dinosaur blood that was inside the mosquito, but he also had to use the fossilized DNA. I don't remember that. Lies. It that says, did not happen. <laughs> You're making stuff up to make this seem like it works. You spread word about the park by entertaining your visitors. However, be careful. The more dinosaurs the park contains, the greater the chance of breakouts with gruesome consequences. Can you just okay, play so game with no breakouts, I wonder? Like, could you, like, actually succeed at Jurassic Park? Is that part of the game mechanics? No. Oh, that would make sense. Of course. Uh, but going back to Twilight Inscription. <laughs> it's just a really big roll and right? I don't actually know anything about it other than that, so I want to play it. It's fair. So, <laughs> a spinoff of Twilight Imperium, which is one of the most intimidating games on the planet. It's, it's the game that you hear people set up and they have to have a dedicated table to it for like a month for every time that they come and play um, because there's just so much in your in your own little section for so long very much like a advanced version of risk 
So I think that this inscription is kind of bringing kind of that same mentality, but instead of having to use a lot of different pieces and a lot of moving, using the roll and write system to very quickly develop your own universe, your own rules, and then comparing against one another. I did see a picture of it set up, and it still looks like it takes up a decent amount of table space. Oh, fantastic. At least they kept that. Compared to like Railroad Inc. is uh, this tiny little board roll and write. The last thing I want to throw out there is trekking through history. Yeah. Part of the trekking through series um, that has been really kind of taking the board game world by storm. Uh, it kind of came around at the time when games about parks were important. So I think we had trekking through the national, park. national parks. And then it's kind of evolved since then. Yeah. And then trekking the world and now history. Which I'm, I'm curious how this one plays because it's not you're not going to places. Like are you going... The different slots you can go to, like, I'm going to go to the 1960s. I'm going to go to the 1800s. Maybe famous, like, events at those different yeah. time periods. That's I what guess. I was about to say, is probably some significant events right. that helped shape. I love the idea that this is some sort of narrative where there's, like, a guy, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to travel all the narrative park, all the national parks. And then someone came to him and said, hey, why don't we do the world? And then somehow he stumbled into a time machine, and now he's doing all this. Like, it's a where's Waldo. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, like, stuck through a time and space. And where are you now? Exactly. A little Doctor Who action. You're at Red Raccoon Games. That's where you should be. <laughs> so, all of these new things, all the cute squishables, all the amazing games that are out uh, are available now at the store. What is coming up that might lure people into the store? Or, in this case, what are some events that the store is going to be at? Flatcon. Flatcon. You want to so, take yeah, it, Anna? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm really excited this? about this. Hit it. So, so Flatcon is basically, it's going to be held up from October 7th through the 9th up there at the Bloomington Interstate Center. And it's literally just a group of people. All Everybody comes in, pays the entry fee. Go play games, go play RPGs. What's really exciting about this is this is my first time actually being able to run games. Mm. So I'll be running two RPGs. I'll be running Aliens, which is... If you've ever seen any of the Alien movies with the Xenomorphs or played any of the games, more of the newer ones, such as Alien Isolation, it is like that, but ten times more scarier. Game over, man. Game over. It, it very much is, so I'm really excited to actually run this. It'll be a two-hour-long session, so I'll have some pre-generated characters. It's, it's going to be a good time overall. Another one I'm actually going to be running is a RPG that we first started talking about, which is Magical Kitties. So if you're mm-hmm. like, hey, this is really interesting. I want to get my kids into something that's better. Magical Kitties is a great way to get them started. Not only that, but what a lot of people don't realize with RPGs is it's actually a good way to get them started on public speaking. So when you're actually DMing or running a game, you're showing that, hey, I'm good at public speaking and I can hold a meeting. When you are a player, it shows, hey, I can still do my public speaking, but it's not like the main role of public speaking. I'm not pushed to do any of this, all that. And it shows that you can actually work as a functional team. So it's a good way to actually build some essential life skills. Put it on a resume. Very much so. What day are you doing the RPGs? I will be doing RPGs. I believe it is Sunday. Give give me a hot second. I'll I'll, I'll let you bounce over on that. So there's events going on every day, like Anna said. Um, It starts pretty early in the morning and goes till 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday, and then only three on Sunday. And there's also an exhibit hall during those times closes earlier than 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody wants to go have fun. 
But we will be there with a booth, and then a bunch of us will be teaching games. I'm doing some board games on Saturday. I'm not sure which ones or what time yet. Ken is doing a Return to Ravnica magic draft. Okay. Where it's $20, unless you are already paying for a ticket to the convention, then it's 5 so convention tickets are 15 And all the proceeds are going to a... Um, oh, gosh. I don't know the actual... For charity. Charity, yeah, that's the word. I don't... For leukemia, I don't know what the actual name of the one is called. So that is something that's going on Friday, Saturday. It's all on the FlatCon website. Which you can visit on your own. Which it looks like uh, I will be doing both Alien and Magic with Kitties on a Sunday. Aliens will be first thing in the morning from 9 a.m. And it's going to be a two-hour long session. Don't worry. We can take small breaks if you're like, hey, I'm hungry. Cool. We'll call it a recession. There will be snacks there, I believe, There, There's well. definitely food so. vendors. Uh, I've been a couple of times, actually. Okay. Before, I've never been. Really? It didn't exist before I lived here. R- r- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> None of us rephrase. existed before. <laughs> rephrase. Now rephrase. that she lives here, we can all be real people. <laughs> it existed. I didn't exist. I moved here during COVID. This is the first year it's been a thing since I've lived here. So uh, for anyone who has not actually been there, uh, they have... Obviously, we'll have shop there. We'll have things that you can actually buy. There's going to be other small, like, local vendors. Uh, last time I was there, we had a guy that did uh, glass etching, and you could actually send in your images of what you wanted etched on the glass. Super easy to do. There's food to vendors there. There's tons of little fun things to do besides, hey, play games. Uh, last time, we actually had a couple of people show up and cosplay, which was That's really cool. interesting and really cool. Well, when you spend that much time putting it together, you wear it on every occasion you have. That is very fair. My cat's ruined part of mine. Rip. So, uh, I won't be wearing it. But, uh, no. I wouldn't have worn it anyway. Yeah, so on Sunday uh, from 9 a.m. till basically 11 p.m. Well, no, that would still be a.m. because that's two hours. We'll be aliens. And then after that, it'll be at 12 p.m. that I will be doing Magical Kitties. And that's another two-hour long session. Now, which... question. With the Aliens RPG... There, there's two different thoughts. There's one that the xenomorph is just one type of creature, and then there's another where I think it came a little bit more from the comic books and Aliens Three, where they like absorb attributes of the creatures that they came from. In that RPG, do you have like different stats for different type of xenomorphs? Actually, it... very much so. Because um, I've really, I thought I just got the starter one to start off with, because I was like, is this something I'm actually going to be interested in? Turns out that there's actually more life forms in this for aliens that are ze- than just xenomorphs. Like, hey, it's just xenomorphs, which is really really cool concepts because, well, everybody's so used to just, hey, we have the queen, we have the drone. Mm-hmm. If you're really big into the alien series and all that, so it brings in these new weird life forms that can kind of help that. Not only not only that, but they've uh, started releasing more different types of xenomorphs. They've been slowly getting into like the comic versions. Like, not a lot of people know, but there was actually a rhino xenomorph and a crocodile xenomorph. The most terrifying one is it's a snake xenomorph. It is. So it's it's a xenomorph head on top of a snake body, and the snake body has like a a cobra hood that has claws, so it can like grip around you. This is probably not good for a family podcast, but it's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. It was always one of my favorite aliens. So uh, with that being said, the alien RPG is definitely, definitely, definitely 
not for little kids. Please don't bring your little kids to this. Do that, not flip the times that yeah, yeah. is running these games. Magical Kitties for all ages. Uh, aliens, definitely probably 17 and up, a little bit more mature, just because I would actually like to run this as a more uh, very spooky vibe because it'll be October. We're already in spooky season. Mm-hmm. With that being said, a uh, well, cool thing about our, uh, the Alien RPG that I didn't realize until I started really reading into it is you have two different ways to storytell. You have a uh, the normal standard campaign, like if you're doing D&D or whatever. And then you have a cinematic way. So the cinematic way is like your movie theme, where it's small event, big event, small event, big event. You know, something small leads up to really, really big, disastrous, kind of goes on for a while, then kind of calms down, goes back to a big one. What I found is you can actually combine the two of them and make a really, really twisted way of... Uh, horror storytelling and uh, it was so bad at one point that my players actually told me that they had to take a three-week hiatus from uh, the group because of how terrifying I made it and it doesn't help too I actually found minis (laughs) so I have actual minis for this game so I'm really excited to bust these out so if you don't want to sleep for a few nights, come visit Anna's game at FlatCon. <laughs> uh, but with that, our episode is going to come to a close. Uh, I'd like to thank the staff members that joined me today, and if you want your chance to talk about the tabletop with them, come and find them at Ride Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where, if you are a miniatures player of any sort, there's already terrain in the building. If you go downstairs to the play area, you can actually just pull terrain right off the shelves and use it for any of your games that you might need. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. Uh, Also this week, I'd like to just go ahead and say that if you want to visit FlatCon's website, you can see a full list and schedule of everything that's going to be happening, all the different games that are going to be run, some by staff, some by fans. So please go ahead and check that out for the first weekend of October. But until then, keep playing.